we start today's episode, just to let you know, you can now nominate for the 2025 Northern Power Women Awards. To be in with a chance of celebrating with changemakers, trailblazers and advocates on the 6th of March 2025. Nominate now at wearepower.net. Women podcast for your career and your life, no matter what business you're in. Hello, and welcome to the second episode in our We Celebrate season of the Northern Power Women podcast. I'm your host, Simone Roche, and we are now just one week away from the Northern Power Awards, which takes place on the 21st of March. I'm not sure I've mentioned this, but it is the largest celebration of gender equality in Europe, where we unearth amazing changemakers and trailblazers who are shifting the dial and, importantly, using their power for good. Every week, I'll be chatting to some of the incredible role models in the Northern Power Women community, and today I am joined by no one other than Barbara Bray M. MBE, getting a habit collecting our MBEs, who has joined the Power List of 2022, is a PhD researcher in healthy ageing nutrition. I need that. Uh, Barbara's work delivers food safety in food supply chains and nutrition strategy for businesses, alongside leadership and educational roles in her public engagement activities. Her leadership roles have included director of the Oxford Farming Conference and representing the private sector mechanism in speeches at the UN Committee for Food Security. Uh, Barbara is also a fellow and committee member of the IFST as well as a trustee of the Nutrition Society. Back in 2019, Barbara was awarded an MBE in the Queen's Birthday Honours for Services to Food Nutrition. And Barbara is currently researching Diet to Protect Health in Doctoral Training Programme at the Centre for Public Health at Queen's University Belfast, where I'm speaking to you today, I think, in that area. Welcome, Barbara. Thank you very much, Simone. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you today. Oh, no, I'm delighted, delighted to be having this conversation. So tell us, let's go back to 2014. And what was it that? sort of what was that that light bulb moment that went you know what I'm going to set my own business up. It's one of those things that I think I always knew I wanted to do but never had the bravery and like with most things it takes a monumental shift or a complete change in your circumstances for you to get that bravery from somewhere. It was always there, but having gone through a restructure in the business I was in and getting the opportunity to take voluntary redundancy was the only invitation that I needed. I now had no excuses. It was do it or die. So I went for it. And I haven't looked back. I think it gave me the push that I needed because I knew that business as usual, I couldn't carry on doing the same thing. I wasn't getting fulfillment from it. And I felt that my talents lay with helping people in a different way. So that's why I set up my business and being able to use my my technical knowledge, but also the skills that I had gained from working with people and understanding that a lot of problems come from people not having their expectations met or not understanding what's required of them. And it's not actually skills and and technical detail, it's the 
the first priority. It's, it's getting people in the right headspace to make the right decisions and, and learn and reach out for what they need to know. And, and it's just occurred to me that, you know, I set my own business up in 2014 too. And I think you, you talked about the word bravery there. I think for me, it, it was never clear. This was something I was never going to do. I never saw myself as an entrepreneur. You know, I didn't think I was brave enough, but I guess that's, that's what we all need, isn't it? We all need that. And because we, we come to it. We, we learn skills and knowledge throughout every step of our our journey and no one piece of experience goes on is goes wasted I don't think but we definitely don't come to the table with a guidebook on how to set up and run a business so how did you where did you research and find your information um, about setting up the business at the time I was looking to do this I was also based at the University of Chester so that's where I was doing my master's in human nutrition and they had a, a business incubation set up at that university at the time I don't know if it's still running but it was almost like a, a checklist of everything you needed and all the facilities in one location. So it was almost like the lazy person's way of doing business. I literally had to rock up to the Riverside Centre say, I want to set up my own business. And they rolled out all of these things that I had to do from hooking it with an accountant and a business advisor and a space to work. It was all under one roof. So they made it as easy as possible. And like I say, I never looked back because the setup was right from the very beginning. And in terms of research, yes, I had to do a little bit of research into my particular sector but the actual nuts and bolts of setting up a business I had a lot of hand holding and we talk about mentoring a lot you know we're big advocates and fans of of mentoring in any form you know in our leveling up report progress report at the end of last year you know we we wanted to get the country mentoring in in whichever form that that you know uh, that looked like so how did this impact on you was that there and available for you at the start it was, like I say, with the service that I accessed, I was able to get a business mentor. But then I realised mentoring is not just about one thing, is it? You need a range of people supporting you. For me, that's having an advocate, so that's somebody who puts you forward for things or lets you know what's available, a sponsor, somebody to help you get there, as well as a mentor. And I think having one mentor isn't, you know, the be all and end all. I think you should really have more than one. And it I was lucky in that I had a business mentor, but I also had somebody who understood my sector who I could go to. So a lady who I'd worked with years ago, who was just there on the end of the phone and somebody to bounce ideas off and be a real source of support for me. And I've changed mentors over the years. I've had quite a few, but you you need the right mentor for the right stage that you're at as well. I think that's very important. And also I've been a mentor to mentees, which has been brilliant because you learn again when you do that too. And I know that's really important for you is advocating for women in your sector particularly at the start of their career uh, what, what tell us about what are the things that you are generous with your time and what you get involved with and why it's important well obviously I have to talk about Northern Power Women being a mentor for them that was brilliant last year when I got my mentee we had such fun but within the organisations that I work with on a voluntary basis so for example Nutrition Society supporting people coming through that process especially around the things like going to conferences and getting the courage to speak up in public and present work that type of thing but also from the other organisations so when I was a director of the Oxford Farming Conference it was about looking a bit wider than our usual remits of going to universities or going to organisations who wouldn't normally put people forward for things like the scholars programme that we run and making sure that they knew that we were welcoming and it might not be a sector that you've looked at before. I think agriculture is not particularly 
an obvious choice for a lot of people. So it's about making sure that people who were interested in food and interested in careers, we were welcoming them with open arms and saying, yes, it's for women. Yes, it's for people of colour. Yes, it's for people who probably have felt excluded in other areas, but we're, we're here and we want to encourage you to get involved in this fantastic sector. And and were you identifying role models out there? Because, you know, um, wouldn't want to assume, but this sector, is this a sector that is um, ethnically diverse? <laughs> Not at all. It's been, I think it's a difficult one because if you think of agriculture, pure agriculture in farms and how the the system is structured, it tends to be a career that you are born into. So, you know, whether you're in this country or you think where my family are from, from Ghana, people tend to be sons and daughters of farmers. And it's very rare that new entrants come in. So if you're in a particular geographical location, chances are you will inherit your land and you'll inherit your business. Whereas in other business sectors, you buy a business or you start a business. So by the very nature of that, then the sector in the UK is not very ethnically diverse because it's been handed down through the last five or six, you know, 10 generations or something. And from that point of view, I guess the people are growing up in the same location, going to school with the same types of people, getting married in the same communities. It doesn't make it diverse at all for lots of different reasons. And coming in as somebody, I grew up in, in County Durham, which is quite a rural area. Even though I grew up in a market town, I was in that environment, so it was an easy path for me to tread because I was surrounded by people I already knew who were doing that type of thing. But I think if you're coming in from somebody who's lived quite a city lifestyle and you've had an education that hasn't included food and agriculture, you wouldn't necessarily gravitate towards it. So it's about putting those opportunities in front of people because the barriers aren't necessarily difficult barriers to cross. It's more about building relationships with communities who are in that space. And once you have those relationships, people are welcome but obviously if you never get introduced to those sorts of people in those locations and it makes it quite hard and and this is our we celebrate season and and you know we talked about you received your MBE uh, in 2019 which I can imagine was totally thrilling and really important to you Um, but you know it is really important that we are signalling these great recognitions and achievements to other um, men and women of colour and, and really role modelling around that. You know, this is impo- so important, isn't it? Why is it even more important now that we, we, we high five those achievements? What I've realised quite late in life was the importance of visibility. And I remember my dad telling me a story about when he was at university and, you know, he was involved in quite a lot of things. And there was a photograph that needed to be taken of his department. And at the time he was busy and he said he, he never made it onto that photograph. And now that's become quite an iconic photograph because there are now some really famous people who've been celebrated and lauded by the university about their achievements. And you can look back and see it was only white people on that photograph and he kicks himself to this day that he didn't show up and I truly believe that the future is in the hands of those who do show up and I've learned from that story in that being visible encourages other people and I remember when I received my MBE thinking actually this is not about me this is representing a community this is about showing people what can be done and giving them hope and encouragement and inspiration and all the things I hadn't realised that was representing to so many people so many people were so proud of seeing me get that award and I had no idea of the the support that was out there in the community and not just my own community a wider community of people who I hardly even knew you know it's 
it was just so wonderful and it continues to be something that advocates for for all sorts of people to encourage them and help them see what can be done and how you can help other people as well so that visibility for me is absolutely key and it's it's using your power for good um and i think it's almost a, a stepping stone as to almost going gosh i've done this and i've achieved this but naturally barbara you just talked about we and it you know for my, you know and actually it's it's really important that you know one of the sole reasons for creating the awards was to encourage people to high five themselves and and to take themselves out of the, the the comfort zone in at last week's podcast I got my team on the podcast and I have to sort of um, sort of grab them in there um, not quite kicking and screaming because everyone's different but you know it's really important to have that audible and visible um, um, you know celebration and, and, and recognition and how good are you uh, high-fiving yourself? Oh that's why I have a mentor and a coach because they remind me to do that and my supervisor as well look back at the things that you've achieved and be be grateful and thankful for what you've been able to do but also acknowledge it and I think by doing that it helps give other people permission to do the same I think it's it's very easy to end up in that culture trap of of just getting your head down and doing a piece of work and not celebrating your successes but I think that is really important so I'm learning I'm on that journey as well about learning to celebrate my successes too oh and please keep doing that and I love that whole um your your dad's story about showing up you know we talk about having seats at the table but actually show up for the photograph you know which we know that on awards day in a week's time we're going to have Manchester Central full to bursting a thousand people attending and we get everyone on stage at the end to have that visible recognition it's massively important so Barbara I'm so delighted you are on this year's Powerless 2022. Thank you so much for your ongoing support, advocacy, your mentoring. We're, we're going to be excited because we're opening the, the a spring cohort of Northern Powerman mentoring virtual programme as well. So we hope to get you involved. But thank you for everything that you do. And thank you for continuing to be awesome. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Simone. Take care. And thanks to all of you for tuning in today. Please do tell your pals and your friends about our podcast. Reach out to us on socials at North Power Women on Twitter and Northern Power Women on all our other social media or drop us an email at podcast at northernpowerwomen.com. Join us on Monday the 21st of March, Awards Day, when I'll be joined by another force of nature from the Northern Power Women community. My name is Simone Rose. You've been listening to the Northern Power Women podcast, a What Goes on Media production.